This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hey Husky fans, welcome back to 4th and Inches, a Husky podcast from the 4th and Inches Network. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Jake Grant and Kayla Olin. And we are like Leslie, Tom, and Andy. Okay, I got that one. But I only got that one because I was just forced to binge it all like a month ago. Jake, how about Haberford, Dwyer, and Nope? Oh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. Straight to jail. You don't know that reference? Straight to jail. Straight to jail. You you undercook your chicken? Straight to jail. You don't eat your squash? Straight to jail. Straight to jail. I love the uh, when he's going through his band names. <laughs> mouse, rat, rat, mouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I thought why... of that one. I have a, a group of guys that I played basketball with. And uh, on the day that we play, we all send each other basketball gifts. And yesterday, one of us sent one with Tom Haverford with his with his watch that said baller time. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, while you... we're talking about Parks and Rec, because I'm so glad, funny you say that uh sunday watching red zone is it just me or does josh allen with his helmet on look identical to chris pratt and parks and rec i've never i have to look i don't i don't know that's maybe homework assignment for literally everybody who listens to this yeah podcast. yeah both of yeah. me and jake and kayla's dads <laughs> you guys figure it out but like i mean I know you both have your computers handy. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I'm like, how does Noah, how has this never been mentioned before? I'm um, going to look right now. I, I kind of am too. Well, Jake, while you're doing that, um, I'm going to introduce the podcast here. Uh, we're here to oh yeah, <laughs> talk about UCLA on a short week. Washington goes down to the Rose Bowl. They are literally inviting anybody to come to the game. Uh, anybody can get tickets for free. Basically, on what softy said today 7 30 southern california probably going to be a small crowd i assume there's going to be some purple in there um kayla what is your take on kaylin DeBoer taking this offensive show on the road wouldn't be lying if i said i was probably more nervous for this game than the stanford game just because we had seen how washington had played at home against a weak opponent against a strong ranked opponent but teams can be a whole different team I guess is say teams five times Uh on the road and I think for me that's more nerve-wracking just because yeah he's been a head coach before he's been at Fresno State he kind of understands but at the same time it's the best road game to start on just because like you were saying yeah they're literally giving away row one tickets in a set of four for $90 they are trying to get people there and so with that being said it should be an easy transition to a road series, but we'll see. Jake. Yeah. You know um, what I really liked about the Chris Peterson era is that he always had a really stout defense. And as we all know, defense travels. Yeah. The thing about the Kalen DeBoer era is that we've had moments of fantastic defense. We get to the quarterback, which I think translates really well to road defense because You know, you can if you get to the quarterback, that changes your entire your entire defensive scheme. But it's completely different on an actual true road game with crowd noise, um, not being able to get off as well. 
um, off the snap as well with the crowd noise, noise behind you. I think it's probably, like Kayla said, I think it's probably going to be a 50-50 split as far as fans go, but it's not going to be completely quiet during um, UCLA's offensive snap count, so, or um, I guess our snap count. Um, so, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I'm really inter- interested to see how Kalen DeVore's defense travels into even what we would consider a weak uh, away game crowd-wise. I think that's probably my biggest uh, concern going into this game. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I wonder, I'm really glad that they're not starting with, uh, you know, actually Oregon, Oregon. state mm-hmm. or especially Oregon on mm-hmm. the road. Um, even, you know, next week going to Tempe in the middle of the afternoon. Um, sure. I think that, uh, a soft landing in somewhere like, like the Rose bowl, it, the the only thing is is the Rose Bowl is one of those places that these kids, especially in the Pac-12 footprint, have always dreamed about playing at. Right? It's the Rose Bowl. Uh, my my middle school math teacher was an offensive lineman at Washington State, and on his desk he had dirt from the Rose Bowl. So can there you is take a little bit on of the ex- plane with you when you go home. What's that? Because <laughs> can you take that on the plane with you, just sitting there scooping up dirt? Well, he probably played in the eighties when everything was legal. Right. So I think he was, he was safe in that regard. (laughs) Um, There's some excitement to go play at the Rose bowl, but I think this is about as soft as landing as you could hope for, uh, for Washington with a new coaching staff going out. The only Um, thing defensive wise though, about this being their first road game start, a it's on the road, but B I think this is one of the, toughest quarterbacks in the Pac-12 that Washington will face in regular season play just because you have Dorian Thompson Robinson who started as a true freshman 2018 he's in his fifth year he knows the receivers they're good Chip Kelly and him have been working together for a while now and so it's I just don't want to face him as a quarterback against you know a defense like Jake was saying with defenses travel and if we struggle at home a little bit what's it going to be like on the road in his house you know it's it's great I did a lot I did a lot of like research on Dorian Thomas and Robinson a five-star kid he's been there forever um you've seen him make some pretty big plays you've uh seen him lose some games you know with Chip Kelly at the helm where uh you know obviously (laughs) up north I might be one of their biggest uh, fans up until this year, uh, even though I think they're going to win eight games just because of their schedule. However, uh, I, I looked at some draft like scouting reports on Dorian Thompson Robinson. And the thing that does scare me is his legs, yeah. but if they can somehow keep him in the pocket by not, not going the way they went with Tanner McKee, where, you know, you're not really worried about his legs, but doing a controlled um, pass rush, people aren't super excited about him uh, throwing the ball in general. And then, uh, then you put that uh, when he's hurry, he's, he's below 50%. So, well, uh, I, and, and, and so that's kind of a double-edged sword though, right? Trevor, as far as you can do a contained, don't pin your ears back and go after the quarterback, but that can also be a negative too, because if you tell your defensive lineman to not, do what they've been doing all year and to be careful and not let him try to contain 
you could end up giving him all day in the pocket. And even though he's not highly touted as a proficient passer, I would still say if you give any quarterback in the Pac-12 12 seconds to throw to whoever they want, they're going to get guys open and he's going to, he's going to end up, you know, gashing you for big yards and big plays. Right. You know, I think with who DTR is as a quarterback, you kind of have to live and die by, yeah, you're going to give up some first downs along the way with him breaking containment, but I'd rather, especially late in the game, pin my ears back and try to get after him and, and make a play on the, on the right side of the football field. Yeah, he's the leading rusher for UCLA with a long of 68 yards, which is crazy from a quarterback. Mm -hmm. B, that that's their longest run. And it's just, I mean, again, we're talking, we're trying to compare Jimmy Lake's issues with what we don't know on the road yet. And Jimmy Lake's defense issues was that they could not contain the quarterback. And I think we saw a glimpse of that against Stanford with you get a sack on first or second down and then Tanner McKee just breaks loose for a gain of 15 or 16 and Dorian Thompson Robinson will not slide. He will keep going. And that's kind of, yeah, (laughs) to put it nicely. Now what I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see is that DeBoer puts the Husky position as a spy on obvious passing downs versus yep. DTR you know obviously early in the early in the possession you don't want to waste a defender and let something happen over the top or a big play happen because you're spying a quarterback but if you get to a third and moderately long I'd, I wouldn't be surprised to watch a spy put on him and especially the husky position because especially Dom Hampton right yeah because he's big and strong about, but yeah. he's fast too yeah. so he's kind of the perfect guy for that position to do a spy on DTR if that doesn't happen, we're sending your resume and Jake next year to the coaching staff. <laughs> That's what I'm saying I, I'm here. Yeah. You know? And then Trevor can get contacted for assistant coaching. <laughs> Jake's assistant. Um, <laughs> the assistant no. to the assistant to the third string coach. Assistant to the regional manager. Um, <laughs> and then I'll send y'all a tape. Hey, check out my huddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just looking at his completion percentage, uh, every year he's got, well, 2020, he was 65% last year, he was 62. Right now, he's at almost 75%. Um, take into account who they've played. Uh, their their schedule is uh, pretty uh, – it, it's not good. Yeah, it's uh, they haven't played. They haven't played anybody. The one conference game they had, and it's not their fault. It's who they have on their schedule was Colorado. But, you know, winning – beating South Alabama right at the end of the game – not necessarily the Alabama that you're hoping to play a close game with. So uh, I think what Tor- uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is, is still unknown. And I think this is going to be kind of where we see, is he the player that he's been in the past where if you get him sped up, he's not great. But if you allow him to run all over you, you're going to lose the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. UCLA misses Wazoo in Oregon State. You are correct. Which is crazy that we're talking, oh, UCLA based on their schedule can win eight games. And yeah, but also 
real quickly they can go from four and zero to four and three because they have us Oregon, and they're done and, that and Utah. Yeah, that's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. I was 100%. telling TJ, I was like, "What's crazy is we are going into this game with as many wins as we did all of last season." Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in the next. How many games? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have us, Utah, Oregon, Arizona State, Arizona, and USC. They're on the road, Oregon, right? Because they host us in they're Utah. At Oregon. And they're at Arizona State. They're playing Arizona at home. And then USC at home, too. But I mean, still, it would and USC at home is yeah. well, away <laughs> too. Um but I mean, that's a tough stretch even uh, for UCLA. I would say that's a, that's, I mean, I could see them dropping quite a few games in a row. Yeah. Really. They should, they should lose four. The um, Washington, the Washington games close to a toss up Utah. That should be a loss. Oregon will be a loss. Arizona USC. USC is a loss, yeah. uh, but everybody else, Arizona state's a dumpster fire. Um, Arizona is. Watch that be our one loss all year as a program. Yeah, uh, don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, Arizona is a building program, but you know, Jake and I were kind of getting excited about them in the power ranking show, and then they get beat up by Cal. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> oopsies on that one. Um, Jake, what do you got on UCLA's offense? I know we just spent yeah. quite a bit of time talking about <laughs> uh during Tops of Robinson, but they also have the finest wine in the Pac 12 with Zach Charbonnet. That was uh, my entire. I like offensive. that, Trevor. Love that. So you just took my. Oh, that was it. Thanks. Uh, Have a good night. Wait, let me no, talk no, about the offense. About I just, I just said I like his name because it sounds like a very nice wine. Let me yeah. talk about the offense. It sounds like the kids from Napa Valley. The end. That's yeah. nice Jake right now. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Uh, yeah, Charbonnet just, with a side of charcuterie. You just crushed my uh, my whole offensive scheme, but we'll we'll talk about DTR for a little bit. You mentioned it a little bit. He's at like seventy five percent completion rate right, right now. Um, best case scenario, uh, you know, he uh, goes out early with a toe fracture, Jeez. and then we get to see Ethan Garbers and uh, make make his life the living hell. But uh, I mean, he's DTR is a good quarterback, man. Um, he definitely runs all over the place. Kayla mentioned that he's leading the team in rushing. Um, they also have Allen as in as receivers. Uh, Allen and Bobo. Um, shout out to Bobo. That's my, my dad's nickname. Has been for years. That's true. Um, but all, I mean, all the way from Massachusetts too. Yeah. Uh, I they yards a game. The receivers aren't crazy good. You're looking at 38 for for Allen and. 55 for Bobo he doesn't he spreads the ball out a lot he doesn't just focus on two guys um more so than their passing ability we're looking at the running game for UCLA uh that's what's going to scare me we mentioned the fact that DTR can get out of the pocket and he can make some plays with his feet um contain's going to be big on that but they're I don't think they're going to completely focus on that um Charbonnet has 43 attempts for 293 yards his average is almost seven um with four touchdowns he's at almost 100 yards a game I mean that's that's a pretty good number for running back and it's not like they're he's the only running back either you know you're looking at 45 yards a game 42 
with DTR, uh, 40 for Harden. Uh, the ability to run, and isn't that just the Chip Kelly motto, you know, is to just run the ball as much as possible and wear defense out throughout a full 60 minutes, get the defense gas so late in the game, you can pull away with the victory because the defense is tired. That's just, when I think of Chip Kelly, that's exactly who he is as a head football coach. He did it at Oregon. And he's finally catching a stride a little bit with UCLA right now. Um, the best thing we have going for us is our pass rush. Um, if we can get to DTR and get him on the ground and we have to finish those plays, we can't just get pressure because if he does escape the pocket, it's trouble. You're looking at odd numbers for, you know, trying to tackle him. But if we can get home and get him on the ground, that's going to be the best case scenario for this defense. Yeah, I like that you kind of really broke down just how many carries that Charbonnet has and kind of a, I don't know if it's a fun fact or if people kind of really pay attention in this game if it rings true, but out of all of his 43 carries, all but seven of them are coming on first downs and second downs, mm -hmm. especially when the down and distance is six yards or longer. So he's yeah. clearly a go-to big runner, not so much a short field guy. Um, I think that's probably going to be key to watch for, especially if they're trying to contain DTR, like Jake was saying, have a spy on him, but just those two numbers are going to be big. Yeah. You know, and when DTR runs, he's getting 8.1 yards, yards of carry too, yeah. which is almost the first down anytime he decides to, to pass the line of scrimmage with his feet. So I, mean, I cry on the inside thinking about yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's vital to keep him at home. I, I mean, that's what's going to be what wins you this game. Yeah, I agree. Especially, I I kind of, I don't really want to compare the two, but I get a lot of Jake Browning in DTR in terms of you start, you peak, yeah. and you haven't quite hit your peak yet, especially into your senior season. Back in 2020, DTR was the first quarterback in the Pac-12 to rush for 100 yards and pass for 300. And so that was kind of his peak almost. And they won eight games last season. They didn't get to play in a bowl in the holiday bowl because they had to forfeit for COVID yeah, like reasons. The day of, right? The day of. And I just I don't know if he's kind of where he was back in 2020, which is weird. But I just I see a lot of Jake Browning similarities. Can run, can pass, and you know, has some weapons defensively. I, I, Kayla, I think you're, you're right on that. Um, there's been a couple of, uh, a couple of players, uh, on the, uh, as quarterbacks who it seems like once the book is out on them, granted Jake Browning, I think there was an injury yes. to the shoulder as well, but once the book gets out their effectiveness, maybe isn't as much as it was, uh, when there wasn't as much of a book, uh, I think of you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks. Remember, um, Khalil from Arizona. That's you year. know what? That's that's probably even a better comparison. I mean, his freshman year was bonkers. I, mean, take, I don't think wild. he was ever even that good as a. I mean, we could talk yeah, about Jake had him as I, the Heisman. Dude, I, I early I early picked Heisman. <laughs> you put, you probably could put a hundred dollars on there, and it could pay out like one something billion dollars. But yeah, yikes. He was like, he's going to be on the cover. I thought he was a video game. I thought he was a Michael Vick for college. Yeah. You just know, smashing just... B the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, switching over to the defensive side of the ball. It's a really interesting defense. 
They're uh, they've outscored teams 167 to 72 with an average of 18 points a game, which is one point better than Washington's defense is giving up 19 points a game. So uh, really similar numbers when it comes to points given up. I would argue the level of competition is probably a little bit higher on Washington's side, but we have a, a team that is liable to give up points. Giving up 17 to Colorado is is what it is. Um, giving up the over 30 to South Alabama, that's the glaring issue, right? Um, they give up 84 yards per game on the ground, 210 yards through the air with uh, about a 300 yards total. So uh, their defense, four, four interceptions, uh, and then uh, they, they got a couple of guys that can get after the quarterback and a familiar face with Leia mm-hmm. Law too, uh, with five sacks already on the season. Um, really cool to see him play again, that neck injury. I remember Jake and I talking about it when it happened. Uh, that was not a fun conversation to have. So it's really cool to see him. I hope he doesn't get a sack this week. I hope he has a thousand after that. I think Washington will be able to move the ball against this team. Uh, I think of teams that have, Winman from um, Michigan State is probably the best comparison where they have a guy that is really effective at getting out after the quarterback. I think you neutralize that with a really good offensive line. There's still some room for yards and points to be gotten. Um, so I, I, that's really the guy to watch. Um, and, and that's kind of where they're at as a defense. They're a good defense against bad teams. This is the test for them this week. Kayla, what are your keys? Um, before we get into keys, I know Trevor, you're tired, but I know this is your show, but this is kind of my chance to also kind of ask you questions. And Jake <laughs> yeah, <kind> of, sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Jake and all of a sudden I'm canceled. Uh, <laughs> you, Jake, you can chime in too. Um, speaking of Leatu, I think we should also mention that he just received Pac-12 Defense Player of the Week in yeah. week four. And this was after sitting for two years, being told he will never play another snap of football ever right. again. And that's how Jimmy Lake opened his very first ever presser was announcing that medical retirement. He had said that there had been specialists that told him he would never play. And it was a bad idea. I mean, obviously like he's close to Washington fans. He was a player and he's never talked poorly about Washington, but I don't do think th- he wanted to leave Washington. He, he, and he didn't until coach Malloy ended up taking a job at UCLA and coach right. Malloy said, Hey, come take a visit. But you think that was the right call by Jimmy Lake or where do you like, I mean, it's just mind blowing that somebody had said no, we're medically retiring him. And then he goes on to win pac 12 defensive player of the week. That's a really, really complicated because you're dealing with doctors versus the wishes of uh, an individual. So I don't really know. I mean, it's not Jimmy Lake's decision to medically retire him. It, I don't even know. I don't know how medic, you know, medically retiring works if it's the choice of the player or what, but I know that when he was, after it was announced, he said that, you know, his intention was to play again. Um, And you know, he found a place where, you know, getting second opinions is really important. Um, I think that's one of the ways you can look at it is uh, getting more than one person looking at your chart, going over it when you have a serious um, situation like that uh, can really help 
when it comes to getting a, a, a closer to a consensus uh, from different doctors. Cause let's be honest, doctors are really smart and uh, getting them to agree on something, then being able to move forward, I guess is probably the only way to do it. Cause I mean, <laughs> you're talking about the UCLA me- medical staff, yeah, another respected place. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I don't know. from breaking, you know, like injuries can take a while to heal. So yeah, maybe, that's the, true. maybe the two years sitting out is what it took and right. he wasn't actually quote unquote medically retired, but just needed an extended period of time. Who knows? But, right. Like how many people are told that they're never going to walk again and they end up walking again. Statistically, it, they're probably not going to walk again, but you know, sometimes things happen and, and the body is an amazing organism that heals itself and you know combats things that happen uh negatively happen to it and you know Latu obviously took care of himself in a way and you know maybe there's some genetics involved in it as well that allowed him to heal a certain way that it's safe for him to play because I can guarantee if it wasn't safe for him to play beyond a reasonable doubt he probably wouldn't be playing yeah I I only brought this up and Jake maybe you know like you can take this lead on it because Jimmy Lake, I mean, he always gets a lot for what happened to the program, but especially this week coming into this game, I know a lot of writers or social media had thrown shade Jimmy Lake's way saying that, oh, he said this and he said that and retired him here, but he just went back to a player of the week and now he's playing Washington. So, yeah, you know, like Trevor said, it's such a complicated matter, but we also have to remember more so than these kids being football players, they're human beings. And I would never throw shade at Jimmy Lake for taking over caution with a kid's life. Um, That is something that if that happened to me and something worse ended up having happening to Latu, I don't know how I would ever live with myself ever again. You know, I, as you're responsible you, you take these kids away from their parents and you're responsible for their lives moving forward. And so I would never blame Jimmy Lake for being overly cautious with something to that extent with, with what happened a lot to. Yeah. And the um, UW doctors in general. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so I'm sure what he did at the moment he thought was the right decision. Um, I mean, obviously hindsight's 2020, right. Where we can sit, we could look at Latu leading the team with five sacks and he's, he's a great comeback story and I love it. And I'm so happy for him, but at the same time, um, something to that extent is so scary as, as a leader and a mentor to people. And, um, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just happy for Latu is, is, but I don't want to, I don't want to throw shade at Jimmy Lake at the same time. That might be the sweetest thing I've ever heard you say, Jake. Hey, man. I mean, it's that was adorable. It's the craziest thing when you have kids. Like, I was the gruffest guy Trevor knew, and then I had kids, and I was like crying all the time. Yeah, you're stepping in poop all the time, and now crying and stepping in. I'm crying because I'm stepping in poop. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) No, I I like that you said that, and I agree. But I hope he writes a novel one day because I will definitely read it. Yeah, it's interesting. The the inner working, I'm curious to talk to somebody who knows about the inner workings of the decision to medically retire somebody 
and whether that's only at a university or it's only a, a certain amount of time. I'm uh, sure you also need mutual agreement for both parties. Right. I would, it has to be, right? You can't medically, you can't force somebody to medically. Because you could just that's, bench the, like, that's you could just be like, no, and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna not, like, I'm gonna bench you, whatever, but yeah. Chip Kelly just says I played in the or I coached in the NFL. Rub some dirt on it. Called it didn't, we have a, didn't we have a running back a couple years ago that medically retired too? It happens. Uh, it it was a, a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, what was his name? Aaron Austin. Help me. He got knocked out on a return. Oh. Do you remember that? It was at home. It was in Seattle. Yeah, I remember. This, yeah, I mean, and, and then he, he like graduated with the team and during senior night, they like recognized him after like two oh, years. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. It, I mean, it happens semi-regularly um, guys that just, there was a, there was another lineman. I remember uh, uh, he had a really cool, like Norse name, man. I wish I could I will take medically retired kids on our program. Really cool name too. Not, all day not, not, over ones that pass. Yeah. Or Utah, nor like I will take medically yeah. retired all day. And not yeah. to change the not to change the topic, but did you guys hear Chip Kelly um, in a in a press conference talking about how dangerous our offense is and how yeah. how much we spread the ball around between those you know between Davis Adunze and McMillan? And to me, it seems like he kind of just left himself open to the fact that there is no game plan for this offense with Penix and the ability to, to spread it out to whoever he right. wants, whenever he wants. It seemed to me like that's what he was saying was like, I don't know what to do. We're just going to try to outscore him. You know, the, the um, bills offensive coordinator in the box of him, like smashing yeah. like the playbooks and yeah. stuff. That's good. Like, that's going to be chip Kelly. If they yeah. can't figure out a way to stop it. That was Ken Dorsey. That's that, the funniest thing. Was it really? And, yeah. Ken Dorsey from Miami. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I was there for it. I was all about him. Well, he he was pretty upset. Yeah. It, it's interesting listening to former uh our team coaches that have played him. I, I don't know if you guys listen to like John Wilner and um John Canzano's new podcast, but they talked to the uh Portland State coach uh who who basically before said, you know they look like they could be the best team in the conference. Um, and then, you know, he thought maybe that was a little bit of gamesmanship going into the game, but afterwards in, in the interview that he had, he again reiterated that this is one of the better offenses he's ever seen. Quickly too. I mean, you, you look at last yeah. year's team with the same talent, just minus Michael Penix and right. you add Penix and, and uh, Tula Papa. <laughs> And but a competent offensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, it, it, doesn't that just show what a, a kind of, a, like you said, a competent offensive coordinator that thinks outside of the box and doesn't run power O 14 times, what right. that can do to an offense? I don't know. I, for the love of me, I cannot remember what receiver said it. Um, either Odunze, McMillan, or Polk, you two might be able to help me. But it basic, they basically had said, that they haven't changed who they were as receivers. The yeah. only difference is they were able to run the routes that they know they can run, that they were comfortable running, and they were given the opportunity to do so. Well, and and coaching coaches that trust these players to go out there and actually make plays too is a gigantic portion of that as well. Yeah. I don't ever feel like there was the trust to go out there and not 
ruin the game. And instead of seeing that, you're seeing coaches that are trusting these kids to go out and win the game. And I think that's yeah. what shows. Yeah. yeah. Last that's tangent thought, difference. I promise. But I just hope it's not one of those we talked about res- or quarterbacks who, after you have film and you know their gameplay, it's easy. I'm hoping that Washington's offense is not one of those situations. I'm hoping that it kind of continues on its trajectory the next few years and it's not more of a – People expecting Washington to be bad coming off of a coaching change, especially after what they saw last season. So it's my only hope. Yeah, I just think this is the first time in a while that you've seen an offense that is put in positions to be aggressive and win games as opposed to not lose games. That And, and have a, a plethora of plays to be to be thrown out there too. Uh, it's a lot harder to, to guard an offense when you don't know what's coming versus That's you know what point. they're going to do every time. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's basic sport, right? I mean, we've all played sports. Uh, if, if, if Kayla was guarding me in basketball and she knew that I went to my right every time, which I'm I did swatting you for it's, sure. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot easier to guard me. than yeah, if yeah. I go left or if I, you know, hit you with a spin move or a step back, you know, it just, it's the simple math of sports. Yeah. Okay. Taylor, what are the keys for Washington winning this game? <laughs> there we go all the way back around. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Welcome back, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Full circle. They hit skip like 17 times. Um, okay. Just so, to get to your keys? I Come know. on. That's yeah. way too much credit for yourself. No, they want to get to confessions, <laughs> let's be honest. Um, <laughs> my first one is that receivers need to win the night and this UCLA team is performing great on defense so far Bruins defense is 18th in the FBS in terms of rushing yards allowed which was already mentioned and just a staggering 59th or 59th on passing with 210 yards allowed so I think you know Washington's proven to be a little bit less effective in terms of running the ball than they are on passing you look at what is it? I think 74th on offense in terms of rushing. And then you compare passing. Guess what? It is the second best in the FBS in passing yards per game. So if they can win the night, Washington gets a win in terms of defense, they need to be efficient on third downs. Again, we kind of already talked about it in terms of allowing sacks and then first downs and Washington is 94th on defense in all of FBS for allowing 41.3% third down conversion rate. And USC's third down offense has been actually very, very good. They are in the top 25 in all of FBS with 49%. So if Washington can kind of figure out those small minor details, I think it's going to be a lot easier on them. That includes watching DTR, like Jake was saying, kind of spy on him. And then the defensive secondary needs to have their best game. We have already talked about allowing kind of giving up that 75 yard pass for a touchdown in their win over Stanford. I don't care if it came in garbage time or against younger, more inexperienced players with the talent of DTR and the running backs and the receivers that needs to step up 10 out of 13 players to catch passes from DTR. So it's not going to be easy to pinpoint one guy, but all of them have averaged double digits per catch this season. Therefore it's going to be a tall task for Washington secondary, but that's it's, it's gotta happen. And I understand Jimmy Lake's not in the program anymore, coaching them up. I understand inexperienced young injuries 
doesn't matter. You're playing on a D1 team, got to step it up. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you brought up the fact of the difference in between our uh throwing offense and our running offense. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's not effective. I just think it's time it's it's time effective. When yes. we do run the ball, I do think it's effective. It's just that we give the ball to Penix so much more than what we're used to seeing our running backs have the ball. Right. right. He's also getting like massive chunk plays, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think Talapapa has been extremely effective, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him break off quite a bit of chunk plays against UCLA. Yeah, I think it's a great time for them to keep UCLA honest on defense and mm -hmm. run the ball. I'm not saying avoid it at all costs. I just think that if so, it hasn't come out yet. It might by the time this podcast comes out. But I also had a article on just the matchup history of these teams and it was crazy because one of the games that Washington lost they had eight rushing yards eight rushing yards and 300 and something passing yards and they still lost yeah. and it's kind of you know you gotta figure it out you gotta keep the defense honest but also you know if it's what's working for Washington right now run with it not literally, but figuratively. <laughs> I liked that. Uh, either one of you can take this one to start. What's a unit to watch on Friday? Go for it, Jakey. Um, I'd say our D-line. Um, the ability to keep DTR contained while getting pressure. I had mentioned this already before. Getting home, finishing those sacks, keeping that streak rolling. Um, let's see ZTF in the backfield all night. I think is going to be a huge portion of if we win this game or not. I'm going to go opposite and maybe not expected, even though it is my keys. Uh, I'm going to say the O-line just because you mentioned law too. You look at all the sacks that they have accumulated so far, just as a defense and talking of UCLA and the O-line has kept panics upright. And that's very important, especially for, an injury prone quarterback. I hold my breath every time somebody gets close to him. So yeah. if they can give him time to find those receivers if needed or to run just in general, keeping him healthy. I think that's the biggest one. That's a really good one. I was, if, if you were going to go on the defensive side, I was going to go there and I was really going to highlight red zone offense. I think that they have to be better in the red zone. That was my favorite thing that you talked about Kayla on Sunday night was the fact that that is a glaring issue. Even in the wins, Washington is still has places to work and that's one of them. And, and I think that they have to finish drives if they have uh, you know, five, five field goals like they did last week. I, I'm not going to be happy. I want to see three of those turn into touchdowns. And I kind of talked about some of the creativity on, on last pod, but using some of these amazing athletes that you have, I think Giles Jackson going to the, uh, the big side of the hash on a sweep is a way that you can soften up the defense to allow yourself with Papa or, you know, Richard Newton up the middle at some point, but be a little more nuanced and a little more um, out of the box. Like you guys were talking about, I think that's going to be huge. Uh, and yeah. then the linebackers, the middle linebackers, making sure that they stay um, 
disciplined in where they're supposed to be in their gaps to keep DTR in the pocket. Imagine where Washington would be ranked if they had put up 14 more points on Michigan State instead <laughs> of turning it over on downs when you're at right. first yeah. and goal on the one or two. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's a world of difference. And I like I like that jet sweep that you mentioned with uh Jackson. Um but I also don't mind it with either Adunze or sure. McMillan because yeah. they're completely different playmakers in themselves right you know you have they got the, a fourth down using it with uh colt yeah. right i mean you you have the ability to let these playmakers in different facets make plays for you which is the best part about it right and that's what we've gotten to see out of them all year but like you said once the field shrinks let's see some creativity and uh and get them in the end zone i was even thinking red zone richie rich mm-hmm. like it worked so many times for an un- non uncreate non-creative offense. Right. Do it now. No, you give me the Statue of Liberty. Give me the the the, yeah. the Zabransky. Yeah. Come Love on. That. With a football. I take right. th- I would gladly see him take 15 yards if he just oops, statue of liberty with the football in the end zone. I would die. Prediction. So so I think the best way to do this is we're gonna on the count of three, we're gonna put our uh scores up i will list them out and then we'll we'll make sure we get them so i'm ready i see kayla's ready jake are you ready wait hold on can we before this happens what happens if there's a tiebreaker how do we have to do like rock paper scissors for us to give a confession Ooh. um how about we will uh we'll go to another betting line we'll go to like the over under Ooh. Interesting. on the score yeah. i like that i like All right that. or who's ever closest to like the actual correct yeah that could points too okay yeah. all right three two one okay so oh yeah i have oh, to read dang them. me and Kayla. taylor heck of close Kayla, 31 24 jake 31 26 me 40 to 24 jake again is right smack dab in the middle nobody that can see me right now i have been violently fist pumping since i noticed that i was in the center he is let's go there's no more poop shoes being uh on this podcast you are solid i'm i'm safe for another week this is like survival wait no 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 no. wait 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 if so i was seven Jake was five and you were six, right, Trevor? No, I was way bigger than that. What was it? 40 to 20. Oh, no, Kayla's the center. <laughs> Kayla's the center. Dang it. I'm so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> the old, you're lucky no one can see you doing your double fist pump because then you just look stupid. <laughs> so I have a six. 16 point spread. Kayla, yours is seven, seven, and Jake's is five. Okay. So I may not be good at astronomy, but Jake is not good at math. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the worst part about that is that I saw on Kayla's notes that she had UCLA, UCLA winning. So what are you I'm talking smack- about? I'm, no, I'm no, 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 no. Don't you drive me down with you. Uh, I'm not safe for another week. Dang it! No, it's it's either gonna be it's gonna be a Jake or a Trevor confession. Uh, all right. 
Speaking I don't of feel that, com- I don't feel confident. Speaking of that, Kayla, what do we got? Okay, two, one. I was offended on your game notes in order of show. You're a confession, Kayla. Like I felt very singled out. By the yeah. way, super yeah. triggered. <laughs> um, second. <laughs> I can't even think about it. Okay, so this is pre-COVID, so don't judge me too harshly for it being recently. I was still in my early twenties and stupid. Um, so my sister and I live in Seattle, and my Jake's really laughing. I hate him. And uh, my dad lives in Port Townsend, where we're from, and so she was picking me up when we were driving over to go spend the weekend there. And I was having a, like a blinding migraine, like migraine was to the point where like my vision was like black. And I was like, okay, well, I really need to take like some aspirin in the car because my sister's driving because I can't. And so I'm just going to grab a Gatorade out of the trunk of my car, which was not as organized as it is now. And I grabbed said Gatorade and it is pitch black at night and we're like driving home and I put the medicine in my mouth first and then I drink it. So I put the medicine in my mouth and I drink it and a big old lump of mold goes down my throat with, <laughs> with said aspirin. <laughs> but the worst part is I gagged. But I couldn't not take the aspirin because I couldn't see. So I had to take another swig. (laughs) And uh, I, it was. (laughs) 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 Thinking about it. We walk in the door and my sister starts, my sister's gagging driving. Like she is swerving, gagging because like, yeah, it, it was vile. I didn't know Gatorade could go moldy. I think it was only my trunk for like two months. Like that may be bad, but like. Did you open it? Yeah. Yeah. See that. So if it's open, it'll mold. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that then. I know that now. And it like oh. the most like the part of the confession is not that I just drank multi Gatorade. It's that I drank multi Gatorade a second time because I two times, <laughs> not once, <laughs> but twice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow, I don't. I, I'm. I like. I feel bad for you on this one. That I told that you. This, I warned you. This was nasty. You, I warned you. What are your thoughts on Gatorade now? Like, do you check it more? Do you drink it? I wouldn't even drink it. <laughs> but it didn't taste like Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. I tell you that. I, I'm scared. To, what did it taste like? Um, like think of trying to swallow. Like the like texture was like you know like the like dryer lint. Like <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the te- it like still tasted the same. Like clearly the artificial like flavoring. Like the sweeteners held up. Didn't go anywhere. It was the fact that literally a lump the size of my fist was trying to go down my oh, throat. God. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, well done. I warned you mine was nasty. Well done. Thank you. I see your toe in mouth and I raise you. Well, yeah, touche. Um Let's see here. Kayla, uh, let's wash that taste out of your mouth and get on to your matchup this week. (laughs) 
All right, man, got to just think about that one. Uh, for me, Ole Miss and Kentucky, I think this is a great matchup. You're looking at teams who know each other. Both are ranked in the top 10, Kentucky 7, Ole Miss 10. Where have we seen that before? Oh, yeah, we talked about last time, Washington and Stanford, where Washington upset number seven. And I think this could very much happen. You also look at kind of Washington and Michigan State with Washington coming in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Ole Miss, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think this is going to be a fantastic game to watch. Washington's not playing Saturday, so you have time to watch it. And just the offensive play styles are similar. The defensive play styles are similar. These are very much closely matched. And I'm so excited. Kind of on Ole Miss. Because chaos. And it's at Ole Miss, right? Yes. So did you hear Lane Kiffin's comments this week about about the crowds? No. Holy cow. He, I mean, he spoke the truth. He's, uh, he said that one of the frustrating things is, coming out in the third quarter and feeling like he's coaching a high school team at a college stadium where there's so few people there there's uh it's quiet and he's like I've tried for two years to get them to stay but you know it's just something we've had to learn to deal with is that we don't have a crowd in the second half and uh, I respect him coming out and saying that I hope I hope that the the fan base you know, takes to it and rallies the call and has, has a really wild, um, wild game from start to finish against Kentucky. Especially with Ole Miss being ranked as high as they are. Yeah. Whenever Um, Washington is playing a cupcake, we see that, but not when it's that close of a game. I don't know if there's a coach in the history of call in, in my history of college football where I've thought so little of, years ago to one that I really respect now more than Lane Kiffin. Wow. That is a hot take. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I, I understand that Trev because you and me used to just ragdoll Lane Kiffin. We, I mean, we ragdolled him at game day. Yeah. Chanting. You got fired. You got tarmacked. Yeah. That was a, uh, that was a very younger version of Jake and Trevor, but that uh-huh. happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I mean, we now. were not, we were not shy about how we were not hard this case for Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so. Like but, only recently has he kind of really started to turn it around. So like, I get you there. I respect him. I, I think that he's got Ole Miss rolling. He's, he looks like a head, like he, he, he carries himself like a head coach now. Uh, I think he's – if Ole Miss can keep him, that's going to be a huge deal for them. I think he needed to find out who he was as yeah, as a coach. You know, I mean, he's had really good mentors in the past, and it's hard not to want to be that person because he's they, he's seen it succeed. Mm-hmm. But just because it succeeded for who's mentoring you doesn't mean that it's going to succeed for you. So you need to find your role as a head coach. And to me, it seems like he has. Yeah. Jake, what do you got? I have nine Oklahoma state at 16 Baylor. Um, This game is intriguing. I, I just keep picking teams that if one loses, then UW's going to 
keep finding a couple more spots. Um, Chaos. I just, I, like that you did I, just, that. I just could. I want to see UW just keep climbing the charts. Oh, yeah. Um, this game's fun because it is offense versus defense. Mm. Um, Oklahoma State has been chucking the ball all over the field all year. Um, they're three and zero. Baylor's three and one with their lone loss to BYU in a really weird game. Yeah. Um, Baylor Baylor's defense is tenacious, and they don't let teams run on them. They will live and die by letting you throw on them. They do not want you to run on them. Baylor takes pride in the ability to stop the run, and with that being said, Oklahoma State is not a running football team. They want to throw the ball all over the field. They want to – I mean, uh, Sanders is – 14th in the nation in throwing um he's got 305 yards a game in the air his completion percentage is 65 it's not as good as dtr but they've actually been playing people um it's it's going to be a weird game in the way that the baylor's defense doesn't match up against oklahoma state's offense um, their offense has been super efficient all year. Uh, they're scoring, what did I see, 51 points a game, almost 52, uh, which is an unreal number. You can't keep that up over an entire season, even in the Big 12 with as bad as their defenses are. Um, with that being said, I do think Baylor's defense, especially at home, has the ability to kind of pin their ears back and try to get to the quarterback a little bit more than they have been doing. And I see, and Baylor's a two and a half point favorite. Um, I see them winning this game, and I see them winning it by more than three. I think they probably end up winning by six to ten. Um, Baylor's, I, I picked them winning forty to thirty. You know, I think whoever in that game, whoever wins, if you're a Husky fan, you want it to be a pretty Close. convincing win. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because I think if if Baylor goes out and beats. Um, Oklahoma State I think that they could jump us I I I think they could jump us but I also think that we would end up uh, if we take care of business of course we would jump Oklahoma State if it's a convincing win yeah but if Uh, Baylor loses a two loss Baylor team they're not having in the top 25 no yeah right right especially if they lose at home yeah 100% um for mine I (laughs) I wish I wouldn't have gone last uh, looking at it because mine's probably the most unimpressive of the games. And <laughs> a little, I've done a little a moldy of pick of yours. <laughs> a little moldy pick. Yeah. I, I, I want to keep it in the family here. I want to keep it in the Pac-12 um, because I think that this match, it, it, the Pac-12 slate is not great. Um, Oregon State, Utah has a little bit, but I think that it would be really hard for Oregon State after an emotional loss to come go to rice Eccles and win. So that one could end up being a laugher Colorado, Arizona state. That's, you know, whatever Arizona or Colorado, Arizona, Arizona state, USC, Stanford, Oregon, not really doing it for me, but Cal Washington state is one that I'm at least interested in uh, as a Husky fan to see which team is going to take that step to be competitive in the north and which one probably will be on the outside looking in if washington state loses and they're they have two losses that's going to be pretty tough um cal obviously doesn't have a loss in conference yet they they beat the crap out of arizona 
Washington State should have, by all intents and purposes, if they yeah. wear a different jersey other than Crimson, they beat Oregon. But <clears throat> Coog's going to Coog. So um, I think that um, whoever comes out of that game is feeling good going into the teeth of the conference play. So I'm excited about it. Uh, Washington State's at home and they're a four-point favorite. Cal almost beat Notre Dame. I mean, there's definitely uh, some 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 good things going on in both of those programs. I'm interested to see if obviously Washington State can run with Oregon, but I'm wondering if one of those teams is going to be able to compete with the top three of Oregon State, Oregon, and Washington. So um, that's where I'm at. Uh, I wanted to give uh, UW Leah her her take as well. Um, she predicted her, her game, Washington, UCLA, she has UCLA 27, Washington 20. So she has a loss. Um, she says that she wants to be wrong. Uh, and she kind of mentioned that. So I wanted, uh, on Sunday. So I wanted to give her that. uh, So if we win, does she have to do a confession then? No, because it's still seven points. That's no, but it's in the wrong direction, direction though. Yeah. That sucks to suck at yeah. that point. Yeah. But so, um, I like that you brought up Wazoo and Cal because you had mentioned a embarrassing loss in a close win. And, I mean, Washington State clearly looks like the better team over Cal. But until you can stop blowing such a lead with such little time left, I, have, I would not put money on that. Man, yeah. and what a bummer way to – I mean – isn't that just the, the one day a year it? I cheer for Wazoo? Yeah, right. The one day. No, I, I, I me I too. I can't be happy. We were we were out um, at a tap house, uh, letting the kids play video games and stuff because um, we don't do it at home. So it go out and play pinball and stuff like that. And I was sitting there watching the game, and the owner of the place was a huge Cougar fan. And I was like, "Hey, this is the one day a year I'm going to be on your side," and it looked convincing. And he goes. As a typical, I mean, and I get it because I'm a Mariner fan and we're in the middle of <laughs> literally our playoff that happened. Update, and then the Mariners that same day were like, hold my beer. We'll blow but, a yeah, 12 I mean, point he, game. But he just had, I mean, he knew it in his heart. He's like, I don't feel good about this lead. You know, if we're not blowing them out, we're going to find a way. It's the history repeats itself. Could you imagine being a team who you could be up 41? You're like, mm, not feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> not feeling good. <laughs> Gotta take a lot of years off your life. Coog's gonna it's what, it's like, it's what it's like to be a Maris fan, too, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Could you imagine being a Washington State and a Mariner fan? No, I am neither. Cheers. <laughs> she is neither. Um, what are you hoping for? Give me, give me just like a one sentence, and what do you hope to see in the first road game of the season? Which one first? Don't care. I'll go. Mine's easy. A win. Nice. Nice. Uh, reliability on the Washington secondary. Nice. Uh, continued effectiveness of the offensive. Line. What was it? Offensive prowess or offensive no. prowess? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. For Trevor Mueller, Kayla Olin, Jake Grant. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.